You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello and welcome to episode 252 of the Soul Forge podcast. Welcome to the Soul Forge, a place of silent mystery, quiet contemplation, and outright mayhem. Join your host, Sean Vanderloo, as he guides you through the adventures of living. Together, we'll talk about life and love, sex and dating, joy and heartache, memories and loss, and so much more. Don't worry, it's not nearly as pretentious as it sounds. Get ready for life, the universe, and everything on The Soul Forge. Hey everybody, welcome back to another excellent episode of The Soul Forge. So glad you could make it. This week we have another guest, but you've heard her before. Once again, it's my good friend Amanda. And Amanda, what are we talking about this week? I was waiting for my applause. I can put that in in post. Oh, fantastic. Um, <laughs> this week we were talking about the fact that I have been sober for a little over a year now. Which is fantastic. Yes, it yeah. definitely is. And that's from alcohol use. Yes, that's right. Because there's a million different types of addictions. So There definitely are. So, you know, I definitely switched from one addiction to another before it was food, then it became alcohol. But alcohol was obviously much more devastating to my system. And, and now your current addiction is just coffee? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And purses. Um, let's not talk about the purses, okay? Okay, that could be another episode. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, so I didn't actually prepare any questions, but uh, I just thought we would uh, talk about some of your experiences. Uh, we'll talk about the, uh, the meeting that we went to the other day to celebrate your one year. Yep. But, but of course, it's anonymous, so we won't mention any names of any people. Correct. So uh, have you always struggled with alcohol? Is it uh, nope. something recent? Like, how, when was the first time you took a drink? Oh, God, 15 years old. But I wouldn't have called myself an alcoholic until I was in my 30s. Like, it was oh. late. Oh, okay. It was later for me than for some, anyways. Um, and I was very much closeted. A lot of people had no idea. Um, How did you hide it? <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. Like you just had stashes of booze everywhere? Everywhere. And you would just take, you, would you always get drunk or would you just take a drink just to calm your nerves or how did it work? Mm, most of the time I would get drunk in the evenings after like everything was done, homework, you know, school stuff kids taken care of yeah. put to bed yeah all that fun stuff and then the wine from under the bed would come out and then the wine slowly progressed to vodka and then the drinking started getting earlier and earlier and then it was just blackout after blackout and i tried multiple times to quit um it wasn't my first time in a program i've had a year of sobriety before um but i got um drunk shortly after my last time I had a year. You, you decided to take a drink to celebrate a year of sobriety and then? Mm, I don't think it was that. I think it was just. Stress and life got to you? Uh, yeah. It, not even that. I just spiritually wasn't fit, right? Like it wasn't, the thing was, and I think this is one of the most important things to learn to, for any addict of any type. Um, you need to be ready 
you can't do it because your parents tell you to or you know you're gonna lose your kids or your job your or... job or your wife or you know yeah yeah don't get me wrong I'm not saying don't come into the program or a program because of that but I'm saying for my experience personally mm -hmm. it was never successful until I finally came into it on my own accord like no other outside factors pushing me you know yeah. None of that kind of stuff until I had the revelation on my own that if I didn't quit, I was going to die. I didn't quit. <laughs> Good. That's. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so in your early 30s, you decided or realized you were an alcoholic. Yes. And it, you needed help. Yes. Okay. So you, you went to the program. Yes. And what happened? Uh, it didn't work. Because you just weren't ready. Yes. So you, you went there. Did you get a sponsor the first time? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. And so for anybody who doesn't know about AA and all that kind of stuff. Now, I, I do, and this is a topic that I've wanted to cover for a long time, but I've, I've never had the opportunity. Uh, so for my longtime listeners, I, I have gone to AA meetings since I was about three years old. My grandfather used to take me. That was our thing. I went to the open meetings because... Uh, there are open meetings and closed meetings. Yeah. Closed ones are just for people in the program and open ones anybody can go to, right? Correct. Okay. So he used to take me all the time um, on his motorcycle. I think we would go sometimes and <laughs> we, we would just have adventures. It was it was our bonding thing, which is might be a little bit weird. It's not at all. But uh, a I, lot of people bring their kids and their grandkids is to that the right? program. Because I was, I was always the youngest one there and uh, it's where I learned to drink coffee. Yeah. So, a lot of coffee. Uh, but it was it was our bonding time. It was one of the things that we did together, and I, I loved hearing the stories of uh, people's uh, adventures and and their their thing. And that's why I've never really been a drinker myself. I think I think I was programmed by the program <laughs> to, uh, to to not really like I'll, I'll get drunk occasionally, but yeah, it's it's more of an effort to actually get drunk than anything. I find. See, and you can do that. You can get drunk and then not drink again for a long period of time. Right. I myself cannot. Yeah, and like, I know that about myself okay. now. Yeah, because I can go months and yeah. months without having anything. Oh, uh, God. I don't, I don't care. But uh, it, it was our thing. He would, uh, he would take me and he would carve popsicle sticks and <laughs> turn them into propellers. Or uh, one time he made me a rifle. I've still got it somewhere. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. And uh, he, he passed in 2013. But, uh, and I haven't gone in... In so long but when we went this past weekend for your one-year celebration uh the, the best part of it was there was still some old old timers there mm -hmm. who knew him and so normally i'm a shy person and i don't just go up to people and talk to them but uh there was a couple people there that i did and i said maybe you knew my grandfather and i told them his name and and they're like oh yes yes and they had such good things to say about him too mm -hmm. how many people he had helped and uh they talked about the carving of the popsicle sticks and, and all that stuff. So it was just nice to know people who knew him and had good things to say. Yes. So it, uh, it, was, it was, I don't even know what kind of feeling it was. it was. It was a warm, tingly feeling of just, it was so nice. It is. It's very nice to get that kind of uh, feedback from anyone that you, you held to a high rapport, right? Well, when you realize other yeah. people also had that rapport, yeah. it, it validates a lot of feeling. Exactly. exactly. It, like, it really does. It just... Yeah. And he had, 
I think it was 50 years sobriety. That's amazing. Like amazing. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, the one guy I was talking to there on the other night, he he was telling me how many people he had helped. My grandfather had helped all these people and Mm -hmm. just, oh, and and a few other people still knew who he was. And it was, uh, it was just so good. I'm glad. Yeah. It's very important. I'm glad you invited me to your celebration. Well, well, I was glad that you came. Like it was, I have it extremely, that's another thing. Like a lot of people out there don't have this support or they think they don't have the support. But for me myself, I I can say that I would never ask for it because I was too You wouldn't ask for support? For help. Oh God, no. No. Help or support. Nope. I don't need that. I'm stronger than that. I can do it myself. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, and then the first time that I had my first relapse and then when I decided to go back into the program after that relapse, you know, I thought I was terrified that I was going to get like the evil eye and the the death stare. and Because you failed. Mm-hmm. Yep. But all it was was love and hugs and acceptance and... We're so glad you made it back because so many don't. And I mean, like, look at our city right now. At least one person, younger person, you know, a day is dying of addiction in this city right now. Oh, yeah. It's pretty awful. You know, so people, I know there's people out there that don't believe these programs work. And you know what? They don't for everyone. No, they don't. It's true. There's some people who can quit drinking can admit that they were an alcoholic and they've never had a drink since and they don't need the rooms. Good for them. Right. That's fantastic. If you can do it, great. I couldn't. But you know what you can do? You can listen to this podcast that I'm going to play a promo for right here on the ESO Network. And then we'll be right back. Helm reports. Sir, there's Klingons in the starboard bow. Starboard bow? Starboard bow. What are they doing there? They seem to be waiting for the new episode of Earth Station Trek. Science, what do we know about this Earth Station Trek? It's a podcast that tracks through the history of Star Trek, from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. Navigation, how would one find such a podcast? By setting coordinates for EarthStationTrek.com or by doing a sensor sweep of Spotify, iTunes, or any other quadrant where fine podcasts are available. Captain, what are we going to do about the Klingons? We come in peace, Commander. Weapon station, shoot to kill. Shoot, shoot to, to kill. kill! Shoot to kill! All right, and wasn't that a fantastic promo? You're laughing your head off. Oh, my God, it was so good. Because <laughs> I, I had to throw that transition in there somewhere to get the promo in. Why Why even listen to our podcast? I get well, why they listen right? to the podcast now. Yeah, like It's just for the promos. Because I... I'm always introducing people to other podcasts God, I, right here on the ESO. I, I I believe you. Yeah. It's like going to the movies and being more excited about the trailers. For the trailers. That's right. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I didn't know where to put that in, but uh, there it is. There it is. So, <laughs> good times. Oh God. Yeah. So we were talking about relapses, I think. Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah, when I had my relapse, came back into the rooms. Um, greeted with open arms, and we're just glad you made it back. And um, I have never felt more relief and acceptance in all of my life. And because of my career choice, I had a really hard time wanting to even go near the rooms mm-hmm. um, because I had a stigma against them and the people that were in them. I can't be one of those people. Ah. You know, I can't be. I can't be in that class of human that's not me can we say what your previous job was oh absolutely okay so you were a prison guard for about 20 years yeah uh, yep a jail guard yeah a jail guard for 20 years yeah so so you were one of the 
the upstanding citizens. So, well, you, so you couldn't have a problem. Exactly. Because you had a good job. Yeah. Right. And I was fortunate enough that, you know, my rock bottom didn't mean me losing everything in the universe. But yeah, there's a lot of people out there that it has. I mean, I've heard a lot of stories, and but I can't speak to those stories. I can only speak to mine. That's so. right. That's right. But I, oh my God, there was times when my kids wouldn't talk to me for months at a time. Because um, they were disappointed. Oh God. Or, yeah, or they just couldn't. De- no, or, it wasn't embarrassment. Or no. di- Well, I'm sure disappointment was in there, mm-hmm. but it was just they couldn't deal with drunk. I don't remember exactly what I said. You know, I called you in the middle of the night, whatever, then blacked out and I have no recollection of it, but you do for the rest of your life. Right, so it, it your drinking traumatized them. Oh, absolutely. Right. It traumatized course. a lot of people. Yeah. But you think in that moment, at least, sorry, I think, I need to use I statements. Um, I felt in that moment the only person I was hurting was myself. Uh, but it wasn't just no. you, was it? Mm-mm. No. That's true. Cause and that, I really believe that that's a thought a lot of people might have. But there's always collateral damage. Yes. Unintentional as it may be. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why you were afraid to go back into the rooms after your relapse. Yes, consequences for my actions. Right. right. But the one thing I've learned from going to the meetings over the years is those people are so non-judgmental yes. and so accepting. And they've got the biggest hearts because they've been through so much crap mm-hmm. that they, they, they've hit rock bottom. They've, they've seen the worst of the worst. Yes. And, and they're, they're so loving and kind. Yeah. Well, and then that's part of the program too, right? Like a lot of people might not believe in 12-step programs and that's fine. You don't have to. Um, you know, people don't want to accept the word God that's in the book. Well, God doesn't have to mean biblical God. No, like, it's the higher power. Yes. It's something beyond yourself. Exactly. It, it's the it's the universal power. It's the great maker. It could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But they use the word God because it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Yes. Could be a rock in your friggin' kitchen. I don't know. Like whatever you believe. Yep. Exactly. That's what you substitute for that word. And then it doesn't make things quite as... Uh, religious. Yeah. Because it's not a religious thing. No. It, but it's just when it was written, that was the way that it had to be worded. Because like, the program was created in the 30s, right? No, earlier than that. Was it earlier than that? I honestly, we'd I'd have to Google it because I don't know. Because I, I don't remember all the details, but I, I had I had read the good book or the big book mm-hmm. or whatever they call it, and it was Bill W. who yeah. started it, and I thought it was like 1933 or something, but it, I might be remembering something else. No, that might have been when the book came out for sure. Maybe that's what it is. Might be. Yeah, because my grandfather had all those books. Oh, and, well, I believe you. Oh yeah. yeah, and and I went to so many different meetings on Saturday nights or whatever it was mm-hmm. and met all kinds of different people and always loved hearing the stories there. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, the lengths that you, you know, that I went to, to continue to get my alcohol, like just fascinating. Cause when I was married, my husband finally caught on to me. I was hiding alcohol everywhere. Um, he was finding it everywhere. He was really good at hiding it. And sometimes I was so good at hiding it, I couldn't find it again. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> like one of my relapses happened because um, I was cleaning out the laundry room and I moved the freezer to clean behind the freezer and there was a full bottle of wine there and I didn't even make it. I had 
eight and a half months sobriety, mm -hmm. I did not make it out of that laundry room. Oh man. I drank the whole bottle of wine and passed out on the laundry room floor. And I had no intention of quitting my sobriety at that moment. It just... It was there and it spoke to you and you did it. That was... Well, because I wasn't spiritually fit, right? Like I wasn't ready. I wasn't in the program for the right reasons. My heart was in the right place. Yeah. But my consciousness to understand what was happening, you know, and why it kept happening wasn't. Like it is... People will argue it's a disease, it's mental health, it's not a disease, it's a choice, it's... Okay, it does... To me, none of those things matter. They really don't. The, the thing is, there's a problem. When, yeah, what matters to me is it was a problem for me. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If this is what's going to solve it for me, then I'm going to do it. Well, of course. So how many... Uh, do you remember how many relapses you've had? I think five. Okay. Yeah. And do you remember the various lengths of sobriety that you had? Yeah, eight and a half months, 10 months, uh, 11 months, 12 months and a day. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then I think, I think maybe four weeks. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a good amount of time. Yeah. And so now it's just been over a year. Mm hmm And yeah. that, and you think this time it'll stick? Uh, well, I can't, nobody can ever you, say, No, right? you can't but, say for certain. I but. mean, I hoped all the other times would stick. Of course. But. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a one day at a time program, right? That's so right. the good thing about that is when you wake up each day, you get to start that day and just worry about the next 24 hours. Yes. Nothing else. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's why they have all those slogans. Yes. Like, uh, let me see if I can remember some. Easy does it. Yeah. One day at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, let go and let God. Yep. Uh, there's. Remember when. Yeah. There's, there's Old, a, a whole bunch of different things like yeah. that. And the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. And yep. Yeah. It's uh, like I, I haven't been to a meeting in probably well more than 15 years. But right. It, it was so familiar and it, it just. And that's one thing about those programs is their consistency. Yes. Right. Yes. And when you, for me, when I am in a place of vulnerability and fear and, you know, my own head and I'm terrified of change, I need consistency and stability. Right. So every single, well, each meeting is different, don't get me wrong, but there is things that are done at every meeting mm -hmm. that is done at every meeting. That's like, right, that's right. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just, they, there's no around it. It just happens. Now, are closed meetings any different from open meetings? Well, yes, closed meetings is where you believe you have a problem and need help. So you don't have to admit that you're whatever, mm -hmm. right? You just have to know that maybe you want help for something. And, you know, you're more than welcome. Everybody's welcome in the room. You know what I mean? Yeah. That thinks that they might need help at that time. Um, an open meeting is where your spouse can come with you. Well, anybody off the street can come in. But, like, people who support you, your friends, your family, your kids, your yeah. um, any of that kind of stuff, right? Open meetings are just... So that, you know, you just, they can, the people who aren't in the mind of an alcoholic or any other type of addiction can maybe learn a little bit more or hear stories more of, you know, from other people, what their spouse or what their partner or what their whatever is like. That is not just them. Yeah. That there's commonalities mm -hmm. oh, between sure. the disease. And, and the person. 
So, you know, because a lot of people think, you know, why me? Why, why aren't they fixing themselves? Do they not love me enough? Do they not? It has literally, and I can't stress this enough, literally nothing to do with anyone else. No. It's a completely selfish thing. Your own inner demons. It's, it's totally selfish. Mm-hmm. 100%. I was completely selfish in all of that when it came to everything. And that is also, you know, written as well. Oh, yeah, for sure it is. Our selfishness, self-centeredness, you know, all of that. Self-esteem, everything is tied in with it literally as much as you want to think that you can fix them or that you can tell them they need fixing. You can't. No, you have to get there on your own. Yes. And you did. Yes. This, this last time. Yes. And, and how did you come to that? Oh, my God. Well, I wasn't ready. I can tell you that. You were what? <laughs> I wasn't ready to come to this decision. Okay. Um, I was drinking very, very heavily for quite a long period of time. And uh, I had an excessively large amount of alcohol at my disposal still. I was holding an excessively large amount of alcohol. I know it's going to sound crazy, but I mean, I accept that I'm kind of crazy, but this was even a little bit over the top for me. Um, Yeah, it just, something came over me that said if I didn't stop right then, I was going to die. I don't know what that thing was. I've never been able to pinpoint that. Mm -hmm. But I do know I handed over all the alcohol that I had at the bonfire that I was at. I went back inside the house. I handed over all the rest of the alcohol that I had when the other person came back in the house. And um, I haven't touched a drop of alcohol since. That's awesome. So whatever you want to call that, a spiritual awakening, a a fluke of nature. A uh, moment of clarity. um, Yeah, maybe. Who knows? But something said, if I don't stop, I'm going to die. And the doctor confirmed that when I got home. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I had atherpy so bad. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's just all your muscles don't work. It's like having somebody in a hospital bed for months and then they need physiotherapy to, you know, kind of move. Mm -hmm. Because really, I didn't do, I laid in a bed and drank for like five months. Seriously, it was bad. That's it. No eating, no nothing. Just, it, it was bad. Sounds bad. So, yeah. I uh, sobered up, obviously, before I came home, and but then when I got home, I was sick every day for a month. Still, my selfishness, I was too selfish to go to the hospital to get help. I could have had help medically detoxing, but I felt like I deserved whatever I got uh-huh. because I put myself in that situation. So punishment was deserved, mm-hmm. and that was that. So I just... Toughed it out. Yep. I I had other choices. I can say I had no other choice, but that would be a lie. I had other choices, but I chose not to take them because of my own pride. Huh. And that's bottom line. Right. Okay. That's... Could have been easier, but I wouldn't make it easier. Well... Because you had to do everything the hard way, Mandy. Everything. Is that is that a Dutch thing? Because I'm the same way. I don't know what it is. I think it's just a stubborn trait of perhaps it could be genetically a thing but right, right. Um, when it comes to anything that has to do with your addiction mm-hmm. you do you you honestly believe that you have everything under control until it spirals so bad yeah. then you realize that 
you really don't. And the people who have been telling you that forever may be right. And admitting somebody else is right sucks too, right? Big time. So, uh... <laughs> right, right. Okay. okay. I'm not going to get help because you said I should. Yeah. Neener, neener. I hear you. I hear you. Know. Now I'm going to... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Totally, totally. Yeah. Okay, so if if somebody is at the point where you were just over a year ago and realizes they need to quit and they don't know where to turn to, what is the best resource? Well, personally for me, I would go to the hospital because you're going to get the best resources there. There's also an AA hotline. Um, there's also, like, so if you need AA or any other kind of program that's associated with that, you would just type it in your phone or whatever, mm -hmm. and a phone number will come up. You will get a phone number that connects you directly with another alcoholic. Oh. So, yeah, and that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Okay. Hospital, same type of thing, but depending on how bad it is, they might be able to help you, like I said, medically detox because alcohol withdrawal is one of the only withdrawals you can literally die from is that right yes uh, yeah google it i swear it's true because you get the shakes and all the things uh it's the seizures mm -hmm. and the passing out and then throwing up and then choking on your own yeah uh, it's it's a lot of things there's okay. a lot of factors right, right? Mm -hmm. it's the falling downstairs and bashing your head in it's it's a whole bunch of things like it really is so there's that, then the hospital, then there's also Detox, which is right on Queen Street. Here in Sault Ste. Marie. Yes, here in Sault Ste. Marie, yeah. On Queen Street, right beside the old hospitals, there's a Detox center there, and you can get dropped off there or driven there by cab or anyone you know at any time. And mm -hmm. It's been there for years. I remember it being there. Yep, yep. It uh, isn't always the most pleasant thing for the first little bit, but then... It depends on where you are, right? Like if you're ready to to stop, then then you'll you'll stop. If you're not, you won't. That's true. That's true. So, and that's the bottom line. Right. It has to be about you. Yeah, because no, like you said, nobody can make right. you or. Which is ironic because you know yeah. nobody can make you stop. Only you can make you stop. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But only you can make you drink at the same time. That's so, true. So the power's all in you. Yeah, exactly. So the, it's just, woo. Yeah. yeah. And looking at yourself is not easy. No, that's one of the hardest things there is to do. Oh my God, so bad. Looking, facing yourself in the mirror? Facing yourself in any way. Yeah, exactly. Period. Looking at yourself on the phone or hearing yourself on a podcast. Or oh, any that's that the worst. <laughs> I know. I've been doing that for eight and a half years. Oh and, uh, God. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Well, I do want to thank you for sharing your story with uh, me and all the listeners. Absolutely, anytime. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, is there anything else that uh, you want to mention before we wrap up the show? Mm, I think I've said it 50 times already, but when you're ready, you'll know. And I strongly suggest you seek help because, unfortunately for us, it's not a selfish act to go and get help. It is, but it isn't because there's people that love you and want you here and don't want to see you taken away by a disease earlier than you should have been taken by anything. Because somebody cares. Somebody always cares. That's right. And that's one of the slogans. 
Yes. Somebody cares. Somebody cares. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for all of this enlightening information. Listeners, I hope uh, you learned something here and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs> so take care of yourselves and each other. Don't forget to leave a review in the podcatcher of your choice. And until next time, remember... Even when you are not serene, you can still try and find serenity. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Soul Forge podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated, and we hope you'll tune in again next time. Remember that you can visit soulforgepodcast.com for all of our social media links. And don't forget to share the show with everyone you know. The Soul Forge podcast is your best source for living your best life. Think about it. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping at the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network. Your station for all things geek.